0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, as you might expect, when times change rapidly as they are right now, some church leaders do all they can to bolster discipleship within their denominations. And we might argue that debates over the Bible should be passionately embraced. Some attention today to one outfit that has recently begun a series of podcasts with teaching and debates about scripture from a conservative Lutheran perspective. Now Lutherans take their name from Martin Luther who led the 16th century Protestant Reformation and since then, there have been developments in the way Protestants deal with what might be taught, and Lutherans are always passionate about defending his perspectives. Well, Queensland Lutheran Minister, Jake Zabel, is behind what's called the Order of Night George, promoting Australian confessional and conservative Lutheran materials. And Jake Zabel is joining us. Hi, Jake. Welcome along to 2020.
1: G'day. Thanks for
0: having me. Jake, in fact, you're a part of a movement called the Confessional Orthodox Evangelical Lutheran Communion. Now, that's a mouthful, but uh, what does that mean for people who might be familiar with the Lutheran Church in Australia?
1: So, there is the main Lutheran Church in Australia that people may know of, the Lutheran Church of Australia, or LCA. Um, Our church body is a much smaller little what they sometimes call a micro synod um, since we're a very small church but we ourselves are also an international group so we're not just in australia we're affiliated with churches all over the world um where we sit doctrinally is that we're more high church we're on the more conservative traditional end uh, more liturgical uh, we have a higher emphasis on things like the sacraments and the ministry over and against more lay worker involvement in the church. So that might be a simple way of explaining what the Coelch or Conventional Orthodox Evangelical Lutheran Communion
0: is and so you've got this level of conservatism and when you say high church and we compare that to what we you know the opposite end lower church uh, there's some that are a tendency towards being more broad more liberal but you're taking a a more defined approach to the sort of teaching that Martin Luther brought uh, with the Protestant yep. reformation
1: so yeah our goal is to focus more on Going back to traditional, that early, not just Martin Luther himself, but also the early 17th century or 1600s, what they called the Orthodox Lutheran Fathers. These were the second and third generation Lutherans that followed Luther, who really kind of organized the doctrine of Lutheranism into a more systematic way of theology.
0: And you've begun to host a series of podcasts, and you've got interviews with various uh, individuals, and you're uh, talking through a whole lot of issues around what you would classify as a sound and solid uh, Protestant doctrine based on what Martin Luther taught. Now, in fact, yeah. when we say the Order of Knight George, that's got a real connection too to Martin Luther, hasn't it?
1: Yes, yeah, so the name Knight George was the name that was kind of Martin Luther's secret identity, if, you, if that's the term, or alias. When he went into hiding after his life was uh, threatened for actually leading the Reformation, um, he had to go into hiding into the Wittenberg Castle, and he took on this um, identity known as Knight George. And so he grew out his beard, grew his hair a bit longer to try and uh, mask his identity and was telling people that he was Knight George.
0: So living his life as he was, uh, protecting himself, living in seclusion, uh, perhaps even in fear for his life, a dark time for Martin Luther. And he found great comfort in the idea of writing devotionals and writing commentaries. A lot of his writings were done in those times when he was isolated. So uh, this is the sort of thing that gives you inspiration for defending his writings.
1: Oh, yeah, It's also, it was during that um, time while in Wittenberg that he translated the Bible from the Greek and the Hebrew into German so that the common people could also read it. So, you know, this was his time of getting those materials out there to the people, which is kind of where we took inspiration from him because our goal was to get lesser known materials
0: out to people. Uh, Jake you're a young man you're an ordained minister and you're very passionate about Christian doctrine I wonder if you've got a thought or two about young people today and whether they might just be leaving some of the best bits on the shelf if they're not pursuing an area of understanding what Christian doctrine is all about.
1: Mm. Um, Yes I think yeah, as a lot of young people, is they can sometimes their passion can be can uh, become a bit too over enthusiastic. Although I don't like using the term necessarily over enthusiastic, more like misguided enthusiasm. Whereas they don't take the time to actually look at all well what their tr- church tradition has. There's a lot of young people that they want to do something new and something exciting and there's actually 2,000 years of Christianity that's gone before them, which they can get a lot of inspiration and um, information from.
0: How old are you,
1: Jake? I'm
0: 26. And you're an ordained minister and uh, you've done lots of study and you're writing books as well now and you're very passionate about Christian doctrine. Uh, So what Mm -hmm. is it that made you so passionate about Christian doctrine?
1: Well... (laughs) For me, I, as a young person, my family was more Sunday Christian, so went to church on Sunday, but we didn't really do much Bible reading or praying at home. And it was during when I went through confirmation that I actually decided to start reading the Bible for myself. And, well, our pastor who we had, he'd made the point that when you go through confirmation, this is when you are now permitted to come up for Holy Communion, and this is what Holy Communion means. And I just, I thought about it, and I thought, well, this is actually something serious. This is not something that I should take lightly. And, yeah, and God, His Spirit really just moved me to go, I actually got to take this thing serious. It's not just a hobby. You know, this is not only my life on earth, but my eternal life that I'm going to be living with God. So... I Better make up my mind now about what I'm going to do,
0: and how would Martin Luther have approached that question of uh, who can lead around a holy communion
1: so Martin Luther he would have said the minister, so he he said that um The pastors have been those who have been called by the Holy Spirit and entrusted with the authority by God himself to take care of the administration of word and sacrament. So, I mean, every layperson can talk about the Bible, they can read the Bible, they can share their faith, but it's those ministers who have been entrusted by God to deal with the specific teaching, preaching, and giving out of baptism and Holy Communion.
0: I remember when we were just setting up our opportunity to have this conversation, I said to you, maybe we should do a segment around the idea of what's different about how normal church practice happens today and what Martin Luther might have thought of those things. And I'll just uh, let listeners in. You said actually that would be pretty divisive because Luther might not have agreed with a whole lot of the way that churches practice today and mm. that is when it comes to you know who administers Holy Communion there'd be all sorts of debates over who can do that and so mm. uh, so that's one of those things that could be quite divisive if you're having a doctrinal discussion
1: Yeah well that, that exact case is kind of while I'm in the church I am now I've was in a different Lutheran church at one stage, and it was the question over whether lay people could give out communion or not that was actually the matter that got me where I am today. And, yeah, it is it is true that, yeah, Martin Luther, while he was um, fighting this Protestant uh, Reformation, that he always more wanted to reform the Catholic Church. He still held on to a lot of um, Catholic teachings, like the 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 office of the ministry, the priesthood, and their role in the church. So, yeah, Lutherans often, we fall in this middle ground between Catholicism and Protestantism, where we actually, we're not one way or the other. We kind of have aspects of both.
0: And I imagine you'd describe that as saying we took the best of what was there in the Roman Catholic roots and we Mm. added the best of what would come with uh, those Protestant doctrines of grace and you've adopted the best of both worlds here.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Hey, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, uh, obviously a prominent verse with the, uh, the order of Knight George. Uh, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Uh, and, and I imagine that that's important because unless you understand your doctrinal foundation it's very difficult to be able to extinguish arrows that come pointed at you. Uh, what are your thoughts around that verse there in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16?
1: Well, so the important thing with that is that it's the shield of faith that is the thing that extinguishes the devil. And that one of the big things that came out of Lutheranism is this justification by grace through faith, that uh, the grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, those were big emphases of the reference and Luther himself thought that the church stands and falls on the doctrine of justification by faith alone and so in order to fight off the devil to distinguish the flaming arrows of the devil is that we must cling to that one truth of faith in Jesus Christ to believe that he is our Lord and Saviour and it's, that it's him he's the shield that's doing it and in faith we cling to that shield of Christ to defend us. And I think, again, as we are just talking about all these different divisions in the Church is a sad thing, but one emphasis that Lutherans have always made is that we've always said, while there may have to be divisions on earth because we can't agree on every doctrine, as long as a Christian has faith in Jesus Christ as their Saviour, it doesn't matter which denomination they belong to, because it's faith alone that saves in the end.
0: And the idea of having differences, that's not entirely a bad thing if you can talk about those, debate those, Mm. and you can come to agreements on those things that are important. And that's something Mm. that I imagine never really ends, but our passion for those things sometimes wanes and we're not as passionate about having the argument, getting into the debate, actually working out those things in our mind. But I imagine that's the sort of thing you're encouraging people to do.
1: Well, that is kind of what the original goal of the Order of Knight George was, with the fact when I did grow up and was originally trained in the main Lutheran Church of Australia, the big LCA, but there are about 13 or so different, denomin- uh, different Lutheran groups in Australia. And one of the things, if people go to my website, they'll they'll notice that it's not just LCA content on there. It's not just the Coelk content on there. I've got content from all the little um, Lutheran groups in Australia because I wanted to encourage that dialogue and debate and let people know that there are actually these other groups there and this is where they agree and this is where they disagree. And so you can actually see that information for yourself because it's now in one place.
0: Now, your Order of Night George podcast, how can listeners to our conversation today be part of what you're doing with your podcast?
1: Um, well, so the podcast, they can just simply Google or you know search the Order of Night George on either YouTube, SoundCloud or iTunes. We're on all three of those platforms and yeah, it's got a, a whole range of different content on there. I've got just generic talk shows, I've got sermon podcasts, I've got a show called the Augsburg Panel where I get different Lutherans from all the different synods to come on and and debate topics and answer questions. And then there's the more recent show I just started called Faith and Politics where I've been interviewing Australian politicians about their religious beliefs.
0: Okay, so there's a good cross-section there. It's getting a little more forensic with your understanding of Christian doctrine, and you're also interested in Australian politicians and their aspects and opinions on faith too. Uh, Lutheran minister Jake Zabel, he's behind what's called the Order of Knight George. Uh, that's another name, a name adopted by Martin Luther when he was in hiding. Uh, promoting Australian confessional and conservative Lutheran materials. And Jake Zabel, our guest, uh, the website to find Jake and the Order of Knight George is knightgeorge.info. That's the website, knightgeorge.info. Jake, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on.